Daniel 5, Daniel 12, beginning at verse 5. This is God's holy and infallible word. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. And verse 12 is really our key text, the key text for this chapter. It was last week too. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. That's God's word for us this morning. Chapter 12 is the final part of a huge vision that starts in chapter 10. And the vision is given by the man in linen, who I really believe is Jesus himself. If you peek back to verses 5 and 6 of chapter 10, you'll see a description of the man in linen. And it's such a sparkling, powerful description. I don't believe it could refer to a mere man. I don't believe it could even be describing an angel. I believe it's Jesus himself. And there are at least several times in the Old Testament when the second person of the Trinity, that's the Son of God, Jesus, when he shows up in the Old Testament. And here at the very end of the book of Daniel, at the end of Daniel's life, seems to be one of those times where Jesus shows up. And what he especially brings to Daniel and to us is a blessing. I don't know what you came here to receive today, what you came here for. There's probably a whole variety of different motives, most of them probably good. God's word today is bringing you a blessing. So I pray that, that you are blessed. It's that verse 12 that I think is, is the solution, the key to this chapter. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. And when we look at the whole of this chapter, we find three tremendous blessings that the man in linen brings to God's servant Daniel and brings to us, God's servants today. The first one, we just got to the first one last week, and that was the proclamation of his word, the blessing of the proclamation of his word. There's talk about uh, the words and the scroll. The words of Daniel are sealed up 
And that's in order for them to be passed down throughout the ages, like all of Scripture. There's this talk of the wicked and the righteous, the wise, the unwise. Well, the words of Scripture divide between the wicked who do not respond to God's word and the wise who do respond. We re- verse 4, just after, just before we started reading, says, Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And that's our mission, to spread the word of God so that all of God's children would hear it and respond and receive eternal life in Jesus. This blessing of the proclamation of God's word, it's a blessing that transforms us and it transforms the world. We're called to receive the message of God's word personally, to truly hear the word, to listen, to respond, to obey in our lives, as Lambert was talking about. And we're called as part of that blessing to build up and support the church because the church is the place in the world that has the central task of sharing the word and equipping God's people like you and me to shine like stars, to bring the message of the word, the message of the grace and love of God everywhere. And that is our number one purpose and focus here at Faith Christian Reformed Church. The second blessing from Jesus is this in the chapter. It's the preservation of his saints. That's the second blessing we find in this chapter, the preservation of his saints. One of the great truths of the Bible is that the good shepherd of the sheep keeps his people. Jesus does not lose his own. They don't somehow slip out of his grip. John 10, 28, he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. And verse 12 says, blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. God will see us through to the end, through the hard times, through the challenging times that scripture seems to say may very well yet come for God's people before the very end when Jesus returns. The end is listed as 1,335 days, which is kind of interesting. I'm not, I didn't actually study it, to be honest with you, but I'm quite sure that that number, 1,335 days, it's, all, it's only here. And just a word about that number, because you may have wondered, uh, what does it mean and why does it say 1,290 days before that and earlier? In short, no one knows for sure. I'll just be upfront about that. It's a mystery of God. It has to do with the moments and times of the Father, and He alone holds time and its details and the end in His hand. But when this time begins seems to be clear. It seems to be connected with uh, the rise of this guy we talked about just a couple of times, Antiochus IV, 
the evil Antiochus Epiphanes. He came and, and conquered Israel. He destroyed the temple and the sacrifice of the Jews at about 160 B.C., so a ways before Jesus was born. That 1290 number, that's what the abomination that causes desolation refers to in Scripture. That's what it refers to, first of all, in our time. It, there's a future reference, too. But it seems that that 1290 is, first of all, fulfilled in Antiochus IV, but then again, it will be fulfilled in the end-time Antichrist, who the Bible says is coming. And Antiochus Epiphanes is one of those figures in history, one of those very evil ones, and there have been others who foreshadow the end-time Antichrist. How can it refer to both of those? Well, remember a little while back I talked about prophecy, and it's important to know this because there are a lot of prophecies in the Bible, a big chunk of the Old Testament, parts of the New Testament. There's something called telescoping. You know what happens when you look through a telescope? You're looking way far away. Imagine you're looking at, at mountain peaks. They're miles and miles away. Through a telescope, you can't tell the distance between a, a mountain peak that's one right after the other. You might think they're right on top of each other. And that can be similar with prophecies. You're looking, like in Daniel, looking way ahead, and it's like... It's all together, but when you get up to that first mountain, like the first fulfillment, which is Antiochus, you see there's another mountain, and it's miles away. So this is probably at least two mountains, 160 B.C., Antiochus, it's actually also probably 70 A.D., but that's another thing. But also, finally, the very end of time, which is very clearly what Daniel 12 is having us look to. So these are glimpses into the very end of time. So for our purposes, 1290 is the time between Jesus' first coming on this earth up until his second coming. I still haven't answered 1335. Why is it 45 days more than that? Verse 7 is the key. And it said something like this earlier. Talking about the end, when will the end be? The man in linen says it will be for a time, times, and a half a time. So the end time persecutions that the Bible tells us to be prepared for will be very tough. Those are the times of distress that verse 1 talks about. It will seem so long. It will be so hard. It will be like we can barely hang on. But then it will last even a little longer than that. We think, oh, the end is here. But the Bible seems to say, no, it's going to be a little longer and a little tougher than that. So that's my suggestion on what the extra 45 days mean to get to 1335. Here is the point. Blessed are those who hold on, says Jesus. Blessed are those who endure to the end. Back to verse 1. They will be delivered. We don't have to hold on alone throughout our lives. In his life, Daniel didn't endure all his challenges alone. He had the spirit of Jesus 
who was coming, living inside of him. And we have the spirit of Jesus today, Jesus who has come. God gives his people support and strength. God sees his people through the worst challenges that you might imagine. Stuff that before they happen to you in your life, you would have thought there'd be no way that I could survive this. I would just roll over and give up. But he gives you the strength. And God's people throughout the ages can testify to that. I am standing here in front of you testifying to that. Whether you want to talk about losing a child on the day of his birth, or Jacob, whether you want to talk about brain cancer and a craniotomy, he is preserving me, and by his grace and strength alone, not by myself, no possible way, by his grace and strength alone, I will reach the end. And he will preserve me, whether he first calls me home or whether he comes on the clouds while I'm still alive. And that preservation of God, that keeping me close, that can only come from God, it's what I want for my family. It's what I want for my children. It's what I want for each one of you in your lives. And you can have this blessing, friends, when you belong to Jesus. You can have it. A fascinating source of our support is angels. Part of this preservation of God's saints, angels are involved in that, which is pretty cool. Verse 1 talks about the angel Michael as the great prince who protects God's people. And his task is to protect all those whose names are written in the book of life. The book of the life is the book of those who believe in Jesus. He's mentioned again in Jude 9 as the guardian of God's people. In Revelation 12, 7, Michael comes up again. We find that he is the leader of the heavenly host, making war on the dragon and his angels. So Michael is a high-ranking angel who battles on God's behalf for his cause and for his people, and he protects them. In this big picture that Daniel has painted for us of the conflict throughout the ages of the, the beast and his forces and the son of man and his forces, angels are involved in this too. Angels are servants of God, protectors of the people of God. Psalm 91 is a beautiful psalm that talks about angels protecting and keeping and holding us. Now, their work remains hidden to us mostly. If you think about it, even back in Bible times, it was very rare. Few and far in between were the people that were aware of angels or actually interacted with them. So, we think it's rare today, but it was in Bible times too. That was just a handful of times. But sometimes God's people are aware of them. It happened in Scripture. I believe it happens today. 
I believe, and I believe I've heard credible testimonies of help in people's life that can only be explained by angels. I think it's probably unlikely that you'll ever be consciously aware of angelic activity in your life, but be assured they are busy. Who knows how much we might owe to angels in our lives already? Who knows how much they might have saved you and helped you already in your life? You can just picture the scene in heaven with God looking down at what's going on on earth. And he sees, he sees Taylor over there is in distress. He's in some trouble. And he points to, to, to one or two or three of his angels. He says, you, 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 among his legion. He says, you go down there. You help Taylor. My child needs some assistance. Angels watch over us, do God's bidding, and we can be certain that they will especially be helping the people of God that will have that special help as we get closer to those times of distress if we're not already in them, and that they will ultimately be helping us to the very end, getting us safely into glory on behalf of God. The man in linen brings the blessings for us of the proclamation of his word, the preservation of his saints, and finally, the peace of his reign throughout all eternity. Daniel, this is, this is kind of cute, actually, what Daniel does in verse 8. He says, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? Daniel wants to know a little more about the end times. Not everything is absolutely clear to him. God has revealed much about history that would be coming up a little bit after his time and history about the end time. In verse 2, we read, those who have died will awake at Jesus' return and then the final judgment will happen. But he wants to know even more. He wants to know more. And he says, make it a little clearer for me, God. Give us more details. Don't we say that too? Our curiosity wants to know exactly how it will go down at the end. I was listening to Moody Radio a couple weeks ago, and a certain question came in from a caller about a specific Bible passage. And he got a good answer to that. And the person on the radio said, about this particular question is, you know, God's word is not written for our curiosity. It's written to tell us the good news of salvation. And I think that's true. And that's especially good to remember when we think about the end times. There are some clear matters that the Bible reveals, but there's also, frankly, a lot of mystery. And we are wise to leave the mystery as mystery. And we're wise to focus where the Bible focuses us. So what is Jesus' response to Daniel's curiosity? Verse 9, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the end. He says, that's enough, Daniel. That's enough. No more answers beyond what I've given you. And verse 13, as for you, you go your way. And then he says this at the end, you will rest 
And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. You see what, you see what God's servant is being told? He's at the end of his life. He's probably in his, well into his 80s, if not older. He says, Daniel, you can go to sleep now. Daniel, you can die in peace. I don't want you to worry or fret about this or anything else in your life anymore. The battle's over for you now, my faithful servant. Rest, and Jesus will battle on while you rest. And that's a, that's a sweet, sweet message for everyone who is building their lives on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Be vigilant and faithful in life with his strength. And then when your time is through, rest in peace in Jesus. Whether we live long or God takes us home perhaps at a younger age, and that happens sometimes, as, as scary as that can be, think of that. Think of that. Imagine that day, one, one day for each of us. Praise God. The battles against sin and disease and all the other junk in your life and in this world. It's going to be over. And we will rest. We'll rest. The Bible often uses the word sleep for death. And that doesn't mean when you die, you'll be unconscious. No, the Bible says that when we die, we'll be with Jesus right away and we'll know it. But not like we will be in heaven at the very end of time heaven. We'll be at first there in our souls, but not with our new bodies. And then while we are there in heaven, Jesus will be battling on this world will go on until Jesus returns, but we'll be enjoying heaven with God and the saints who've gone before. And then at the end of time, Jesus will return, and then everyone will rise and be raised who has died before. And all who belong to Jesus then will receive their new resurrected bodies and enter into eternity. It's going to be totally the opposite. You've seen some of those uh, sort of darker sci-fi movies, these darker doomsday movies, you know, the one where, like, the movie starts out and uh, it opens up and it's like this really stark scene, like there's a whole, everything's a wasteland, the Statue of Liberty's knocked over, high-rises are hollowed out, it's eerily still for a believer the waking up is going to be very, very different. We'll wake up, and it will be incredible. It will be glorious. We'll be with Jesus in heaven. Our loved ones will be with us. We'll be with them. I'm finally going to get to take Jacob to go bass fishing with my daughters for the first time. We'll receive our allotted inheritance, as it's put here. And Daniel would know what that's talking about because Daniel knew Moses and Joshua and the prophets and the Psalms, and they all talked about that. The Bible talks about a believer's inheritance, portion, all of the blessings of belonging to our God, 
ultimately, it's the Lord himself who is our portion and delight, who will know and who will experience and be in a relationship without the barriers of this world and sin. Perfect peace between God and people. Ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment that when we're in Jesus, we can experience that and live in that in this life, but not fully. Then the peace of God in Jesus will be complete and full and glorious. It's, un, it's going to be unlike anything that you've ever imagined, anything you ever could imagine. And that peace will extend throughout all of creation. In the new heavens and the new earth, there will be shalom. And that's a biblical word to talk about, the idea of universal harmony and justice, a good society rather than all this quibbling we have about politics and Democrats and Republicans. Perfect harmony and justice and righteousness between God and people, between people and other people, and deep, deep within your own heart and soul and mind. And if you watch some of the beginnings of the Olympics, the opening ceremonies were Friday night, and I never, I don't have this big expectation going into the Olympics, and I don't even really watch it that much, but I'm amazed every four years when they come along just how powerful that is. I, we wanted to watch the opening ceremonies, and we did a bit on Friday night and some of the sporting events yesterday. But it's so powerful. You know, there's Iran coming in, right? And North Korea and all these other nations. And it's like for this little time, and even then there's like issues, right? The North, did you hear the North Korean women's soccer team wouldn't go on the field because they accidentally put up South Korea's flag on the screen or something like that. And there's all these geopolitical stuff going on behind the scenes, of course, but for a little bit at that opening ceremonies and even in these next couple weeks, it's pretty, pretty cool and pretty amazing. There's this piece. They're, they're all sort of around the Olympics and competing for these prizes, and a lot of that other stuff is set aside. I think all those nations together is, is a tiny, tiny little glimpse of real shalom. Because that's sort of what we're seeing is a little bit our idea of peace and harmony. And it's even that in a not full measure. But I feel like we get a little glimpse of that. A little glimpse of what will be even way more glorious and perfect and full and peaceful for all God's people in the end of time. The ultimate goal of the man in linens is to bring Daniel and us this comfort, this blessedness. I believe that's the goal of the whole book. It's about the ultimate demise of the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms that serve the darkness, and it's about the perfect peace that the Lord's rule and reign brings in our lives and in our hearts and will bring all over the world. 
Will you receive these blessings today? The proclamation of God's word, which tells us and proclaims this awesome reality. Will we listen to and respond to God's word ourselves? And will we be busy building up the church, which is the main instrument of the word going out into the world to build the kingdom of God and tell others? Will you receive the blessing of the preservation of the saints by putting yourself and your loved ones deliberately under the care of the good shepherd who through his direct power and through all kinds of means like angels protects and keeps his people in this life and forever. And finally, will you enter into his peace by being reconciled by having things right with God through accepting God's Son, Jesus. A peace for your life, a peace for your heart, a peace that's for this world. What rich and tremendous blessings from the man and linen from our Jesus. What blessings for you and for your loved ones. What blessings to be establishing your life on. What blessings to proclaim in our words and in our actions to the world. Amen.